Bone-chilling greetings, my Kushtakas. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes, as always, are courtesy of my pal Bobby Mackey, and I'm, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. Today we head over to the last frontier, the largest state in the United States. I had the pleasure of going to Alaska several years ago, and I was taken back by all the beauty that place had to offer It's definitely on my list to go back at some point. Historic Anchorage Hotel was constructed back in 1916. For a while, this was the only hotel in Anchorage where your meal was served on fine china. And to this day is Anchorage's lone hotel to find itself on the National Registered Historical Locations list. At one time, Frank Reed owned this hotel, and he had a young son who took pride in his job here. He would head on over to the Alaska Railroad Terminal to pick up the hotel guest luggage. It is believed that this young man is one of the resident spirits here. Historic Anchorage Hotel is extremely active when it comes to the paranormal. Believe it or not, it is said that out of the 26 rooms here, that only one has not had any reported or documented hauntings. This building survived a catastrophic event that occurred back in 1964 on Good Friday, what we now know as the 1964 Good Friday earthquake, resulted in 600 miles of a fault being ruptured all at once. 500 years of stress buildup was released. It lasted a whopping 4 minutes and 38 seconds. Now, You know, that doesn't seem like a long time, but speaking from experience of someone who has been in a great handful of earthquakes as a child, four minutes and 38 seconds would feel like an absolute eternity. Can't even imagine. The magnitude was 9.2 and was responsible for at least 131 deaths. Now, the earthquake itself claimed nine lives. The major killer here happened to be the tsunamis that were triggered from the earthquake, as 122 people died from this alone. And not just in Alaska, but in several states and countries. The 1964 Good Friday earthquake was so incredibly powerful that it registered in every state with the exception of Delaware, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Tsunamis hit 20 different countries, including Papua New Guinea, Mexico, Peru, Japan, and New Zealand. I have listeners in all of those countries. Five deaths from a tsunami were recorded in Oregon and 12 in Crescent City, California. The damage, it was unbelievable. Anchorage, which is 75 miles from the epicenter, was by far the most that was damaged. 75 houses in a neighborhood were lost due to a massive landslide. Triggered, of course, due to the earthquake. Several businesses also completely and utterly destroyed. A 60-foot concrete 
Control Tower at the Anchorage International Airport collapses and kills William George Taylor, the Federal Aviation Agency air traffic controller. Meanwhile, in Prince William Sound, which is only 12 and a half miles from the epicenter, experienced several deaths when the Valdez City Harbor and docks collapse, killing 32 people. A 27-foot tsunami wave destroys the original entire village of Chaniga, killing 23 of the 68 inhabitants. The others, they survive by quickly climbing up trees. The largest tsunami wave came from Shoup Bay, Alaska, at a whopping 220 feet. Canada, well, they saw tons of damage as well. 55 houses washed away, while 375 other homes were severely damaged. This was around 10 million Canadian dollars worth of damage. 1,200 miles away from the epicenter in Seattle, the Space Needle, which is 605 feet tall, actually wobbled. A landslide in downtown Anchorage was triggered and drops the business district nine feet. Turnigan Heights of Anchorage experiences soil liquefaction, creating a landslide that moved chunks of the suburban bluff 2,000 feet into the bay, taking 75 homes with it. I can go on about the damage as it was so incredibly severe. It starts off as a regular day. At 5.36 p.m., people, well, they're either at church or at home with their loved ones, maybe around the dinner table, when catastrophe hits. Eyewitnesses describe the scene. They first hear this horrific crunching and grind-like sound. They then saw the asphalt roads rise and fall like waves, the ground opening and closing before their very shocked eyes while water shoots up from the cracks. Geological surveys conducted immediately after the Good Friday earthquake shows that parts of the Alaskan coast sank up to 8 feet, while other parts rose up to an incredible 38 feet, and much of the coast moved 550 feet closer to the ocean. Coastal forests that were once beautiful and thriving plunged below sea level and were completely and utterly destroyed by the invasive salt water. Today, the 1964 Good Friday earthquake remains the most powerful earthquake recorded in North American history and the second most powerful recorded in world history. The first goes to the 1960 earthquake in Chile which was a 9.5. This one was a 9.2, so almost there. So much damage, and yet, historic Anchorage Hotel survives. This is the place to be. Luxury, comfort, home away from home. The rich and the wealthy and the well-known flocked here. Speaking of travelers and people staying here, I'd kind of like to talk a bit about two gentlemen, Wiley Post and Will Rogers. For during the friends' travels, they stayed here at the hotel, not knowing that just two days after staying at the historic Anchorage Hotel, their lives would expire. Wiley Post, he was a farm boy whose sole dream in life was to fly airplanes. And he eventually got there. He started off as a parachutist for a flying circus. 
He worked on an oil field for a while where he actually lost an eye during a horrible freak accident. Actually, it was because of this settlement for his eye that he was able to purchase his first aircraft, the beautiful Winnie Mae. In 1931, Wiley Post, along with his navigator, Harold, flew around the world in under nine days. The previous record was two weeks. Then, just a couple years later in 1933, Wiley would go to do the same thing, go around the world again. Except this time, he went solo. Harold would be staying home on this trip, and he actually beat his previous record. Wiley's friend, Will Rogers, he was a trick roper. Learning as a young boy on his family ranch, he would later appear in several movies, 71 total, including 50 silent films. Will was born into a Cherokee family in Indian Territory, what we now know as Oklahoma. He was known as Oklahoma's favorite son. He may have been Oklahoma's favorite son, but he was quite the world traveler, having spent time in South Africa, Australia, Argentina and so many other countries. He was a trick roper spinning that lasso in Texas Jack's Wild West Circus in South Africa. For some time, he was also a trick roper for Worth Brothers Circus in Australia. And once, while in Madison Square Garden in 1905, a wild steer breaks loose into the crowded arena. He jumped into action and roped the wild beast before anybody could get hurt. His favorite saying was, I never met a man that I didn't like. In fact, he was quoted saying, When I die, my epitaph, or whatever you call those signs on gravestones, is going to read, I joked about every prominent man of my time, but I never met a man that I didn't like. I am so proud of that, I can hardly wait to die so it can be carved. Well, he got his wish as the clock was running out for him and Wiley. Wiley and Will were traveling to meet the king of the Arctic, a man named Charlie Bauer, who, for half a century, lived on an itty-bitty remote island. The men, they were en route, and the interview was set up. Will Rogers, at this point in his life, at the end of his life, was an extremely successful and well-loved and respected columnist. Just two days earlier, they had stayed at the historic Anchorage Hotel. Life was good. Wiley was flying them to the interview of a lifetime. The two friends, they were in good spirits. Fast forward two days later. They're headed to Point Barrow, a location that is so small that it seems the largest amount of people to ever live there at one point was 200. And that was back in 1880. And by 1912, only 91 were left. Last recorded was back in 1940, counting 28 residents. They do not get far in their travels that fateful day. Immediately after takeoff, the engine stalls and dives nose first into a lagoon. Both men, legends in their own way, are killed instantly. While death for Wiley and Will may not have happened here, this is one of the last places they were at before their sudden deaths. One that did occur here has to do with Anchorage's very first chief of police, John Sturgis, often referred to from the locals as Jack. Sadly, Jack's time as the chief of police was extremely short-lived as less than a month later, he would die, being found in the alley behind the historic hotel. His goal with his new job 
was to bring illegal gambling to its knees, stopping it for good. He was a busy guy as the town was full of not only the gamblers, but soil doves and bootleggers as well. He hits those streets hard, patrolling, when one fateful day. The man, he's walking down the street one brisk evening. A figure on the ground lies ahead of him. The man rolls his eyes. Oh boy, what do we have here? Some drunk soul who couldn't go any further. I better go fetch the chief. Just moments before Chief Sturgis was found badly hurt, the town's first butcher had seen him walking down the street. Soon, after what's believed to be the last sighting of Jack before the fatal incident, John McNutt, the night watchman, suddenly hears moaning. The man on the ground is moaning and speaking unintelligible words. McNutt believes this to be a drunkard and immediately sets off to find Sturgis, not knowing that this, in fact, was Chief Sturgis, and he was not drunk. He's been shot. Anchorage's first chief of police is dying. His 32 Colt revolver was lying in the snow, not too far from where he lied. At the hospital, U.S. Deputy Marshals questioned Jack, knowing that they don't have much time, trying to get an identity of the assassin, but the dying man, he refuses to answer. He would, however, complain how his hands were so incredibly cold and he kept seeing bright lights. He dies soon after. The bullet they retrieved from his body was matched as being from his own service pistol. Who would do such a thing? Well, with Jack on the beat, he was keeping a close eye on the illegal activities that were prostitution, bootlegging, gambling, and much more. So there had to have been a long list of suspects. The city of Anchorage offers $1,000 reward for any information about the murder of one of their own. Council members even threw in an additional $950. This was back in 1921. So today that $1,950 adds up to $30,000, 372 big ones. To this day, the case remains unsolved. Now, I did see something about how a man and woman did some research and believed that he actually wasn't murdered at all, but that he killed himself. I don't know. I'm not exactly sold on the theory. I did try to reach out to see if they could kind of share their findings and be on the podcast, but I never heard back. So who knows what they found to think that. What do you think? Do you think Jack Sturgis was murdered or suicide? Either way, it's officially unsolved to this very day. Does Chief Sturgis continue to walk the beat? There have been many reported sightings of the doomed chief of police's apparition wandering throughout the hotel, especially at nighttime. Another spirit to call historic Anchorage Hotel home is that of a woman, often seen in a wedding gown. Many have reported seeing her roaming the hallways and even catching a glimpse of her in mirrors that are throughout the hotel. Word is a woman was set to marry her beloved. It was the day of the wedding. She's standing at the aisle waiting, waiting. She waits some more. The groom, he never arrives. The woman, she's beside herself. Emotions run wild. She's sad. She's upset. 
depressed, confused. She's numb. How can the man who she thought she was going to spend the rest of her life with do such a horrible thing to her? She goes back to the hotel, the place where they had planned to spend their wedding night. The first night as man and wife. What was supposed to be a night filled with romance and love turns fatal when she decides that she can't go on with life knowing that the man she loved left her at the altar. She goes to her room and hangs herself, her wedding dress still on. A young girl calls this place her eternal home as well, often seen walking around the second floor hallway. Can you see me? If you are a paranormal nut like myself and find yourself at the historic Anchorage Hotel, you may want to request rooms 215 and 217. Many guests who've stayed in these rooms have reported to staff that the TV will turn off and on all by itself, and the bathroom faucets in the bathtub and sink will turn on all on its own. And you better believe that hotel staff have requested the help of plumbers to come to see if there's any sort of damage or something that can be done. And plumbers can never find anything wrong at all. I found some experiences that people have shared online throughout the years. One man said that the whole time he was here, he felt like he was being followed. Been there. The final night of his stay was one for the books when he heard the sound of a baby crying. And no, it wasn't coming from a nearby room or the hallway. No, no, no. It was much closer than that. It was coming from under his own bed. One man shared how his fiance and him had chosen this historic hotel to have their big day, the wedding and reception. It would take place in the event room. The husband-to-be and some friends had to go downstairs to get more chairs for the joyous event when they all saw something that blew their minds. They just simply could not comprehend what was taking place before their very eyes. The chairs were all moving by themselves as if they had minds of their own, unseen hands moving them about. Frantically, they run upstairs and tell the employees what they had just witnessed. They refused to go back down those stairs. So the staff actually went down and got the chairs for them. The man admits that they never came back here again. Talk about a memorable wedding. One hotel guest shares that they kept experiencing hearing tapping sounds at their door. Then the sound of someone running away, hearing children laughing. When they opened the door, nobody would be there. So they got kind of sick and tired of this going, okay, we understand kids could be kids, but come on, we got to get some sleep at some point. So they call the front desk to complain, and they're told that there were no children at the hotel that particular day. And speaking of children, one person said that they saw an apparition of a small child standing in the closet, and the child just kind of stood there staring back at the person and smiled. One woman came here three different times and shared that each time she experienced something that she could simply not explain. The first time, there was a knock at the door. And when she got there, no one was there. Kind of like my time when I was at the Tutwiler. The second time, she felt a presence and felt a hand going through her hair. The third time, she heard a young girl giggling when nobody was around. And years ago, 
An employee was behind the front desk when something caught her eye. A silhouette of what looked to be a woman wearing a dress. Others, guests and staff alike, have experienced seeing picture frames fling themselves off the walls, hotel curtains moving by themselves, hearing whispers, coughing, and laughter. They have also felt cold spots and hot spots and have seen apparitions and shadow figures. Things even get physical at times. Some have actually experienced being leaned on or even pushed. The hotel has a ghost log for employees and guests as so much happens here. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They are all pretty phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, just head on over to any of those awesome podcast platforms such as CastBox, Spotify, Player FM, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Deezer. Wherever you may roam to listen to your spooky podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Bradford, Pennsylvania, Oslo, Municipality, Norway, Wingate, North Carolina, Elko, Nevada, and Bridgetown, Maine. As always, it's greatly appreciated you all stopping by, taking a load off, and listening to some spooky happenings. Want to reach out and be on Paranormal Prowlers podcast sometime? Throw me a message on the Facebook page. Thanks, and we will see you next week.